Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky and this is the united soccer coaches podcast now proudly presented by the incredible people at league apps league apps wanted to join the united soccer coaches podcast and sponsor this because they understood the value of giving voice to all coaches United Soccer Coaches, as I said last week, is the home for all coaches. Doesn't matter what you look like, what you believe in, who you like, we are here and we are all in for all of you, all of us, together, united, United Soccer Coaches. And we continue our dedication in February to Black History Month, including turning the keys over to the amazing Black Soccer Coaches advocacy group celebrating their 25th year and led by the super powerful, super intelligent and magnetic Nicole Hercules. Once again, she has three amazing guests as she is joined by the stars of the Crack Podcast, which unites U.S. soccer and World Cup legends, and indeed they are legends, Demarcus Beasley and Oguchi, known as Gooch Anyewu, with Mauricio Wilson of Footballer Clothing, who, by the way, was also a big-time soccer player, for candid conversations and debate amongst the three close friends, joined weekly by some of soccer's most recognized names. Gooch is now a secretary general for a club overseas, DeMarcus is now the owner of a USL team in his hometown of Fort Wayne. As I told you, Mauricio Wilson runs footballer clothing. He is hip and has been in the middle of a lot of exciting projects. One of them will come up, a special they're doing about Lincoln Phillips, who essentially founded the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group 25 years ago. Those conversations and so much more are awesome. We're not done there. Remember, Anna Witte sat in for me at the United Soccer Coaches podcast one day and sat down with Kristen Hamilton, a star forward for the KC Current, which has a new stadium, has a new practice facility, has a new coach, has a new everything. And Kristen Hamilton is fantastic. And then we meet another 30 under 30 member who hits on a really important topic, one that is affecting us all, especially during these strange times, and that is mental health. Today's visit with our 30 under 30 member is Brianna Habriel Kellogg from Iowa. Amazing story. She'll show you where you can even learn more about some of the issues she's had to deal with as it relates to mental health, and I hope you will go and check that out as well. It's all ready to roll, and I am ready to hand the keys over to Nicole Hercules. We will do that after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform, so you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. 
League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, now presented by Lee Gaps. As you heard me in the open, we continue to dedicate this month to Black History Month, the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group, and the great work that Nicole Hercules is doing as the Black Soccer Coaches celebrate 25 years together. Nicole Hercules was amazing last week with Kia McNeil, Kadani McAlpine, and Eric Bell. This week, she puts the focus on the three stars of the Crack Podcast, who are obviously much bigger than just that podcast. But the Crack Podcast unites U.S. soccer and World Cup legends Demarcus Beasley, one of the all-time greats, folks, and Oguchi, known as Gooch Anyewu, with Mauricio Wilson of Footballer Clothing, who also played soccer at a high level and is brilliant for candid conversations and debates amongst the three close friends joined weekly by some of soccer's most recognized names. You need to Google the Crack Podcast and check out these names because they are the who-who of soccer. You can tune in to get real unfiltered opinions from the hosts as they ask some of the most anticipated questions the football community has long awaited. And thanks to the aforementioned Nicole Hercules, this is all her. She got all three of them to join her for not one, but two segments here to kick off this week's show. Next week, Nicole Hercules will be back again with other leaders with the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group. It's just as wonderful as I remind you, the United Soccer Coaches is the home for all soccer coaches. Everybody, all of you, all of us together. And with that, the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group takeover continues on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. We send it now to the super talented and delightful Nicole Hercules. Welcome everyone to United Soccer Coaches. This is the Black Soccer Coaches Takeover. I want to thank Dean Linky and United Soccer Coaches for giving us this opportunity to take over. We have some phenomenal guests. We're so excited for them to be on the show today. These three guys have created this amazing podcast that I can never wait for another episode, but the Crack Podcast. I'm going to have them go into a little bit later where that name came from, how they know each other. But on today, we have Mauricio Wilson. He's got his gear on today. You won't be able to see it, but from Footballer Clothing Brand, we have Anguchi and Yewu. Your bio, by the way, is so long. I don't think I can go through everything, but you're, <laughs> you're a Puma brand ambassador, Onyx Elite CEO and founder, a CBS Sports Analysis. You're the secretary general for your new club that you're at today that we'll talk about a little bit later. You're on the United Soccer Federation Athletes Council. You're also on the board of directors. And we have a legendary, probably has one of the best records in U.S. soccer landscape, Demarcus Beasley. You are now the owner of the Fort Wayne FC USL team. Guys, thank you for being on and thank you for all the work that you do. 
Wow. Appreciate it. Yeah, that, that, was, that, that was the best intro. You need to give Mookie some tips for our podcast. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. That's a great job, man. No, no, it. no, he does not. Can he please go to, to Nicole Herkley's school one on one for intros? Oh, that was how, amazing. How, how to do intros? Oh, oh, I, as you can tell, I, I love what you guys do. So, before we get into how you guys met each other, let's talk about the Crack Podcast. Like, how did you create it? And I know the last time we spoke about it was probably before you guys even aired an, an episode. This is awesome to kind of come back full circle after you guys have been in it for a couple of seasons now. So tell me about the Crack Podcast, how that came about. Go ahead, Mauricio. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, just it was very uh, genuine. We uh, often get together and have conversations and argue with each other and have discussions and have different point of views. And uh, I just wanted to develop something that I thought that the soccer culture and audience will enjoy. I think we started summer of what, 2019? And we were practicing and we, I think we had like six of us and then five of us, then four of us. And it really was Gooch who in 2020 was like, listen, yourself, Demarcus, and uh, let's get together and, and form something. And, and we jumped out and did it. Thank you for Gooch for kind of uh, continuing and, uh, and pulling the trigger for us to really develop the crack and be a this triangle. Is, this, this is new. You actually, this is, this is so new. This is, this is very new. You actually praising Gooch for, for something? This is it's not the crack. It's a different. It's a different format. I'm, I'm literally looking. I'm literally looking at Gucci's face while he while you're talking. That's we're both hilarious. like this. We're Everybody's like, face was like that. Like what? Listen, listen I this, love this it. is not the crack. It's a different format. This never, I this love the love. This never happens. Oh my goodness! I was like, but, what is going on right now? But but, please, but but yeah, I gotta say, please continue. Please, yes. Anything else? It was funny because when we first started, it was like seven of us, right? Remember that? You know, yeah, was, I remember was, the first ones. Yeah, me, like Rob, Gooch, Fly. I think Corey was uh, yeah, in Corey, and out. Edson, you know, Edson. So, yeah, we had a lot so, of names. Yeah. It was a little bit too much, but it was something that we tried. And, um, you know, I said, listen, I, the problem was scheduling, right? So mm -hmm. I would get frustrated. And that's why I kind of why I kind of gave up because if we say three o'clock on Thursday, three out of the, out of the seven would make it four out of the seven so but i uh, definitely credit to gooch to kind of bring it back full circle and say listen i think it'd be great to form a triangle yourself these and, and me and, and let's, let's go let's go let's knock it out let's go it's definitely yeah I, I think we started off with a, a big group and everybody had their opinions it's just there were so many voices you couldn't hear anything you know <laughs> and as you know we, we if you listen to the podcast you know we all have our own personal opinions on things so you have to limit it. You have to bring it down in order for your voices to be heard. So I, I think we we found the right formula with Peanut Head, Demarcus Beasley, and you know, <laughs> you know, Mauricio kind of keeping us all in check and tying everything together. So I, you know, for now, I think we're having a great time uh, producing the product that we're doing, kind of giving people an authentic, unfiltered, real look at kind of our personalities that I know I never showed as a player. I don't think Bees has as well. So it's a real kind of behind the scenes of, of our own personal opinions. And I think that's the best thing about it is that like you listen to the podcast and Mauricio is always asking if he should send me a check because I just always talk so highly about it, but I, <laughs> I, I enjoy it, you know, and you guys have these friendships with people who have played the game at the highest level historically currently. So it's, it's cool to get, you almost feel like you're, you're inside that world. So you get it, you get a little taste of that. I think you guys did such a great job. I mean, Gooch, you're now a, you're now on CBS Beasley. You've been on CBS too, I believe. So you guys have done so well. You're getting national attention. 
well done on the creation of uh, the Crack Podcast. But let's go to how you guys all met each other. I know we spoke about that years ago, but I think for this new audience, they'll like to know how long ago you guys go back and how this friendship came together where we get this great content from the three of you. Let well, me I mean, that I, one. Yeah, I can tell you, uh, you know, I remember uh, meeting Gooch and Gooch wasn't this size when he was, when he, when he was younger. I, 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 I'll tell you that he was me, but like 5'10". He was uh, a skinny, tall, lanky, stick, sorry, stick. Uh, stick. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you said, I mean, the personality, we can all, we, it's, that was the same, but when we formed the, uh, you know, that thing was a U15 team when we all, we all started. That was like the first time I met, you know, met Gooch from, from region one, you know, myself, him, and I know him and Nelson really clicked, uh, Nelson Aquari, because they're both Nigerian, whatever, they're, you know, their they're parents are from Nigeria. So I know they clicked and I just kind of trickled into their group, you know, a little bit, but I mean, to be honest, we were all, you know, friends off rip you know what i'm saying it, it wasn't it was all organic there was nothing there was never a, a situation where we kind of got pushed into being friends and teammates it just kind of happened organically even like even the first time i met him it wasn't any you know ill feelings we we're all trying to be the best you know in the world at that time or in the united states i should say you know because we we're 15 going on to try to make the u15 u16 national team so we all kind of had that same goal to to do those things and um, so, yeah, my, I don't have any, you know, ill, any ill memories about the first time meeting Gooch. Now, Mookie, on the other hand, <laughs> there's a, uh, nah, I'm playing. <laughs> nah, um, I think Mookie, did we meet, did, where did we meet the first time we, we met? Wasn't it in the um, hotel? The first, like in the national yeah, team camp? Yeah, but the first time I, I saw these guys or met these guys was, um, they, were, they were getting ready for U20s. And I played against these guys. And I remember kicking Demarcus. This is in uh, Miami. And I remember chopping down Demarcus, this little skinny kid trying to dribble. And he got right back up. And I couldn't believe it. I said, ah, two foot this kid. And he comes right back up, you know. But um, I'm the same age as Demarcus' brother. And that was the first Beasley I met. And then um, Corey Gibbs introduced me. Yeah, yeah, Corey. Demarcus yeah. and Gooch. But, you know, this is going back. Um, you know, probably, uh, yeah, this is like almost 15 what, like oh five, yeah, I gonna say oh five, probably even earlier than that, oh four, maybe. So, so, so the, the big thing for me is you know, and wanting to start the crack and develop this media is to give us a voice, and I wanted to something that was genuine. I felt that in soccer landscape, in the United States, um, when you, when you have anything media is very scripted and it's something that people like DeMarcus and Gooch don't feel as comfortable. And I just felt that we can develop something that we can be comfortable and also give a, a voice to the ones who don't have it. And I just think that people didn't know the real Gucci and Yewu. People didn't know the real DeMarcus Beasley. And I thought these guys were legends and they had to have their own format, man. So I'm so glad they trusted me to kind of jump on board and, and develop when we develop and we're having a, a great time. And again, this is a real friendship that goes back for so many years and uh, we really don't like each other. And that's the great thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys have had some great people on the show. I mean, you guys have, you know, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney. I mean, you guys, I mean, pretty much everyone you've been able to, the men's side, the women's side. So it's, it's great insight to kind of see what's going on with the players. And so for Gooch and Beasley and Mabrisi, um, I'll circle back with a different question for you. What was the national team experience like for you? 
how are you kind of able to identify with a lot of these kids that you're able to mentor now who are very similar to you guys, where you guys came in and you guys were like this golden age, this golden generation of players. And now we're seeing that again with this group that's here today. So what was the experience like for you? And is it similar to what these kids who are currently playing now are experiencing? I don't think it's similar to what they're experiencing now. The the whole soccer landscape was different when we were growing up um, in the 80s and 90s. So to say it would be similar would not give it justice to the development and the progress that they've made to now. Um, I would say that my national team trajectory wasn't, uh, I I don't know, I'm not going to speak for beads, but it it wasn't straight, right? Um, I didn't, I made the national team, the youth national teams, I think a year after bees did. Um, So I remember the first year I didn't make it and I was like, I was devastated and, you know, kind of worked hard, whatever, made it the next year. And I, that, that team was already formed so, sort of, you know what I'm saying? Bees, where you guys already had like the core group yeah. that, that, that was already there. So off the bat, I kind of felt like an outsider that had to prove himself just to kind of remain in, in, in that group. Um, and at that time, you know, it's a little bit different now. It, they say that this generation is kind of, you know, everybody's a winner X, Y, Z. And there's no kind of like, there's no second place. Everyone's wins. So back then it was like cutthroat. If you, <laughs> every, every camp was, every camp was like, I remember they didn't have email back then. So you'd wait every month to know if yeah. you received a letter, <laughs> yeah, from the mail, yeah. letter in the mail, if you got called into the camp and like, you know, once you did, you'd call your people and be like, did you get a letter? Did you get yeah, a letter? Right. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. And you'd hope that they would. And you know, sometimes they would and you'd be like, damn, but it was, it was really kind of, it was tense. It was a lot of pressure for, for young kids. Cause it was, you know, the process was uh, there's a lot of good players um, at the end of the day. And uh, if you were lucky enough to have been noticed and, and be recognized, it, 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 you know, you were, you were blessed. So when I got there, I was, you know, I was, I was hungry. I was, I, I was definitely not a starter um, and kind of had to work myself into that, that position. But uh, it, it was, uh, it was definitely a learning curve and uh, some ups and downs. Uh, getting into that, that that area. Yeah, and then you know, for me, I I'll, I know Goose talked about the youth side. I'll talk a little bit more about the um, the men's team. Uh, I, I I don't know if I would say mentor um, uh, because I mean th- I mean me personally, there's no no one has ever reached out to me, and not that they saying that they they need to, but um, it, it's such different now because of how this youth movement you know, kind of came about because, you know, when we were coming up and the O2s and whatever, we had so many elder statesmen, you know, the Reynas, Popes, Jones, you know, Ernie Stewart, I don't need to name all names. You guys know who they are, you know, but there's a, there's a, a big influence of experienced players after, you know, not qualifying in 2008, 2018, it was basically everyone was out and they were just bringing in this new crop and they had to kind of figure it out on their own you know, and kind of what they're, what they're doing now. So I think talent wise, yeah, I think, you know, um, they're, they're probably a more talented group than in what we were, but, you know, you have to give them a lot of credit because they've had, sorry to, you know, figure it out on their own because I had, you know, Claudia Reyna or Eddie Pope or, you know, I'm 20 years old and I got 28 year olds, you know, telling me, okay, this is, you know, how we play. This is, you know, the right and wrongs off the field, on the field. And they're all kind of doing it together. You know, at, at a, you know, they're all around the same, the same age. I think, you know, Tim Ream is the oldest guy. He's been in and out, you know, but he's the, you know, the elder st- statesman, but he's, 
not really a, a mainstay. So I just think it, it's, it was different how, you know, myself and Gooch came up in the national team the first time with the full team to now with these kids, it's just basically, they're figuring it out as they go. DeMarcus, you just put out a really great article through the MLS network. And I, I think I have to just ask you about it because you really spoke to your experience growing up playing in Fort Wayne. And it's very cool because full circle, you're, you now you now own a team. Can you speak to why you wrote that article and what it meant to you to, to write that? Yeah. That yeah. Um, you know, Charles, Charles Boehm did a really good, really good job of, of capturing, you know, my life cycle, basically, you know, from Fort Wayne all the way up to uh, my retirement. We really wanted to get into a little bit more of my history. Um, obviously, uh, some of, you know, my accomplishments, you know, um, you know, throughout my career, but, you know, really kind of dig deep into, you know, what life was like as a young black American from Fort Wayne, Indiana, you know, playing soccer. And, and I, and I thought we, I thought we did that, you know, uh, like this, you know, there's stories I have never told anyone, you know, that, that I, that I spoke to uh, MLS about. So, it was great to, you know, obviously go back to, you know, memory lane, you know, for a bit. But yeah, I, I appreciated MLS for, you know, giving me the platform and reaching out to me and asking me, we would love to hear your story, but, you know, a, a, a bit deeper than what you usually, you know, um, what, what you usually usually has have done. So I was more than willing to help out. And like I said, I, I think it came out uh, the way I wanted it to. I think it's awesome because it's, it's Black History Month, of course, and we're celebrating Black excellence. And that's who you guys are. That's what you represent. But what I found interesting, and I even think about it, but you played for Dennis Hamlet. So my yeah. question to all of you guys is like, because for me, I didn't have a black coach until I was in college. When was the first time that you were introduced to a black coach in the soccer landscape? Uh, mine was youth in ODP. Ooh. I had, uh, well, Lincoln was there. Then oh, Byron, wow. Byron was there. Um, oh, Myron so Daines, had, yeah. Yeah, Myron was there. Yeah, we had some, some black coaches in the ODP program in the youth. I would say after that, I can't, can't really remember, but those were good people to start from because, you know, they, they, they were very honest and they were very authentic <laughs> and genuine in, in regards to wanting to help the youth, uh, regardless of your skin color, but even more so with the black and brown kids um, that were around them. So th that was my first, those were my first uh, black coaches. I, I know for myself playing in New York, besides my father, who was a parent coach and he played, but he wasn't part of any of the ODP system. Um, going through the ODP select, uh, I did have a black coach, but I was fortunate enough to have a couple of Brazilians. And I did have one black Brazilian named Wilson Indigio, who's a legend. And uh, he definitely changed the way I looked at the game. But in terms of having a black coach, a regional team and stuff like that, it wasn't even close. Um, and in college, of course not, you know. Oh, I mean, mine was in this. <laughs> that was, that was my... your first one? Yeah, that's my first. I mean, oh, wow. outside of it's kind of same as Mook. My dad, you know, he was, he, he you know, he didn't know the game of uh, football, but you know, he knew his sons loved the game, so he tried to learn it as much as he 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 could. And like he was my first, you know, kind of coach. I guess you know he wasn't really a coach, but he was kind of the the parent, just kind of cheering his kids on. And then yeah, my first black coach was um, uh, Dennis Hamlet, man. That you know um, at Chicago Fire. Oh my wow. goodness. That's, mm -hmm. And then Mauricio, I know you don't talk about it Austin, but is it your uncle or your grandfather who literally developed <laughs> the Jamaican soccer landscape? Um, <laughs> he's coached everyone from Robert Frazier. I mean, Hugh yeah. Menzies, former Jamaican national team coach, Lauren Donaldson. Um, he's a legend. Want to speak yeah, to that a little bit? I'm, I'm from a very, very uh, big soccer family. Uh, so my uncle, Winston Chungfa, 
He uh, was a national team coach for uh, Jamaica, also the Cayman Islands. He also started uh, Miami Classic, some of you guys might know. But uh, yeah, he's definitely a legendary um, coach who brought me home from the hospital, who lived with me growing up. My father played for Kingston College in Jamaica. He was a Manning Cup star as well. Uh, he left early to uh, start his family in the States. So a lot of pressure in my family came to football, right? <laughs> if, if you play soccer, you better be good in the school work or nobody spoke to you. So, you know, I was born with the game. Um, so, but uh, definitely big shout out to Winston Chungfa and all he has done. He's also, um, you know, FIFA coach and he's credited throughout the, throughout the world. So that's, you know, I was very fortunate to, to grow up in his shadows. Very cool. I think it's so important that you've had important Black representation throughout your career and, they, and people who played a significant role. You guys are involved in Lincoln Phillips. We just had our 25th anniversary of the Black Soccer Coaches Association, and the founder of our group is Lincoln Phillips. And you guys are taking part in the Lincoln Phillips movie that's being produced and made right now. How did that come about? Because I don't even really know. I know Lincoln called me and he's like, oh, these young guys and this and that, and they're keeping me young. And he's so excited about it. He talks about you guys all the time. But how did that happen? Because I, I knew about this thing for like three or four years. Seems like he, Lincoln was keeping little secrets from everybody, but it's cool <laughs> to know that you guys are involved kind of producing. And tell us a little bit about how that came about. But, well, before you start, Goosh, Lincoln, this is for Lincoln. Lincoln, yeah. he called me. He called me about we. I have not called him back. Lincoln, oh, I am going boy. to call you back. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's not the only one. He's not the only one. I'm still he's waiting gonna, on calls from Biggie too. I'm telling you, Lincoln, I got you, man. I am going to call you back. I promise. I promise. He calls promise, me like, yo, is that B's number wrong? <laughs> I'm sorry, Lincoln. I am calling you back, my friend. I got you. Uh, he All got right, called out. He got called. No, no, you can take it from here now. <laughs> 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 nah, um, so Risa Du, he's the one that brought the opportunity to, to myself, and I think to you as well, Gooch, uh, about having some kind of involvement, you know, making this film about Lincoln Phillips. And, you know, I know Gooch, you, you know, you had him as coach, you kind of knew his 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 story, uh, but I didn't, you know, I, I was the first one to say I didn't know his story. I didn't know what he had accomplished um, back in the 70s with, excuse me, with Howard. And um, I mean, it, it took five minutes into, you know, reading his story, literally uh, watching film um, on YouTube of, you know, uh, Mo sent me a couple of links that I could watch. And from then I was like, okay, yeah, well, how, how can we make this possible? You know, um, we also prepped you, you also, yeah, when you did prepping for, for um, our show when he came on. Well, yeah, I'm just about how it first, how it first yeah. got started though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know, because uh, we had, that was, our, we, are, we were already in talks before we had Lincoln on. Mm -hmm. You know, we have been talks in a while. Obviously, you know, those kind of deals take a long time to, you yeah. know, to get done. So I had already known who he was. I was, that's probably the, and this is all seriousness, not because I need to call Lincoln back, but <laughs> he's probably, he's probably the most, I was probably the most anxious to talk to him more than anybody mm -hmm. else. I was the like mm -hmm. most excited. I was, because, you know, for me and what he went and his story, hearing him and being able to speak to him, you know, face to face, obviously through, through Zoom, man, it, it was a, it, it was a, a phenomenal experience for me um just hearing him hearing him talk and he's one of those guys you guys know him, you know better than me you know if he talks you're going to listen mm -hmm. and you know you're going to capture every single word you're going to be you know trying to catch on to any kind of little you know tidbits you can to to learn you know from from what he went through and his experiences and what he's still doing in the game now you know, mm -hmm. so for me to be able to have, oh, sorry, to be able to be a part of of his 
his uh, legacy as far as the movie goes. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm honored. This is, this is a no-brainer for me, and I'm, I'm really, really excited. Just to reiterate, no, nah, it was Marisa Du, and I will say that throughout our career, throughout my career at least, um, there's a few teammates that you know you're more than teammates and you bond with. Like obviously, Bees is one of them with me. Mo is another one. Like we all stay in touch. We're all friends. We're all brothers. And uh, whenever we have a project or have something interesting, we want to kind of, you know, tag somebody else in to see if they're interested as well. And and uh, because our contacts are all different. So we try to create this web of, of, of contacts. And uh, Mo brought that to us. And once he said that for me, I said, say less. Because I already knew Lincoln's story. And I was like, this is, the story is like, remember the Titans-esque <laughs> type, really type of film, you know? And I was like, this is great. And, and especially at the moment where we were with the, the civil unrest in the country. And I was like, this story needs to be told. I'm surprised it hasn't been told yet. You know, we all came on board, myself, Demarcus, um, obviously Josie uh, uh, and, and Charlie and obviously Mo. And we were like, you know, full throttle ahead. Let's let's see what we could do to kind of bring awareness to a legend in the game um, and, and, and tell his story properly. Right. Because he deserves that. I think it's outstanding. Oh, Mauricio, go ahead. Lincoln, like that Gooch, we was fortunate enough to know Lincoln growing up. Uh, Lincoln, my brother used to go to Lincoln Phillips uh, soccer camps, you know, in Maryland. And shit, we used to bust them down from New York. And uh, my brother was also fortunate enough to play for Lincoln at VCU. So Lincoln has definitely been Uncle Lincoln for some time, you know. And uh, at 13 years old, I used to go down to visit my brother in college and get a chance to sit in the locker room and be a part of practice. And again, just having that, that presence of when he speaks and him giving you the stories for so long. So just like you, Nicole, he's been talking about it for years since writing the book about doing the movie. And I remember when we spoke to him about coming on the crack, how, um, you know, he was, he wanted to get in touch with Gooch and, and Bees and, and speak to them and have to give them the numbers. And, and, you know, he just wanted that energy, that youthful energy. And when he sees, just like how Bees looks at these up coming players like Weston McKinney, when he sees uh, Bees and Gooch and the career they had, I mean, he's, he has so much pride and, 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 and so, and the, the love he has to seeing where, where these players are now. I think we owe everything to Lincoln, you know, so for all of us to be a part of the project and help him um, make this masterpiece, man, is, is definitely exciting. It kind of comes full circle because, again, it's our 25th year. He's the founder of the Black Soccer Coaches Group. We're celebrating Black history. It's interesting how we're interconnected in so many ways. So I'm going to break us here. We're going to come back with part two. This is the Black Soccer Coaches Takeover. I want to thank Dean Linky and United Soccer Coaches for giving us this opportunity to take over. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. And we are back with our second part of our amazing interview with Nguchi Nyewu, Demarcus Beasley, Mauricio Wilson. We were able to talk about some great things that these guys have done as players, 
the experience that they have with Lincoln Phillips, who's the founder of our organization. But now I really want to get into who you guys are now as businessmen. You guys were top players in your career. You've done so much. But now you guys are program owners. You're who just the, what are you, the secretary general? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> security guard and the bodyguard. Right? <laughs> you probably could be that too. What a, what a title. What a title, by can the way. We, like, let's talk about that. Like, Please. Talk, give us some insight into this because you're in Belgium right now. Excuse, yeah, in, give us I'm a little details here. Well, with, but before with we speak about the title, it's nothing compared to owner, just so people oh, know God. that. <laughs> Demarcus, just so, just so you have that, just you know, put it right there. But yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm in Europe right now. Yeah, I'm the Secretary General here, and for those of you that have never heard of that title, it's basically the equivalent of a CEO. It's just another way of saying whoever takes care of the club. But honestly, the opportunity came up uh, random. I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to kind of come back to Europe so quickly at this point. And I, and I kind of spoke to my brothers here and as well as some other people to kind of get, get their advice as to what they felt. And at the end of the day, everyone was like, this is an opportunity that, you know, uh, that you can't pass up. And, you know, I came to my senses and, and kind of packed my bags and came back out to Europe to do this. So I'm enjoying it. You know, it's a, it's, it's a lot. I'll say that um, it's a lot, um, but it's an experience and it's learning that uh, you couldn't replicate in any other way. So um, I'm, I'm soaking it all in. Yeah. Can you tell us the name of the club that you're at? Because I know you played in Belgium for, for a bit, but like what's yeah. the club that's right now? Uh, the club is in, in the English translation is Berton. In French, it's Virton. And so it's different, obviously, you know, because I, I operate every day in French, so it's not in English. And then like whenever I come on stuff like this or talk to my people that's when I have that release from uh, kind of thinking in French um, but like I said I'm just gaining and building skill sets that hopefully in the future I can use uh, use at uh, bigger clubs uh, hopefully you know in my career and as I progress maybe in the MLS yeah, Ooh, we maybe. would love to see that well, you know we would all love to see that you know got to get that opportunity <laughs> well, you know we're gonna I mean? get we're gonna okay we're gonna get to that oh look we'll circle back there i'm but, gonna instigate nicole you <laughs> but you know we speak about equity and autonomy all the time so i love seeing all of you guys moving into the space i talk about it with the black soccer coaches a lot we just see a lot of folks and i'm just going to talk about it just because it's black history month who at sometimes try to make the black culture, you know, into a commodity and they exploit it and do different things. So I'm not going to go into deep with that, but that's why I'm always so proud to see, you know, a black owner. So uh, DeMarcus with you and Mabrice, I know with footballer, you and your brother Leroy, let's speak about the business perspective of why it's important to move into this ownership space. DeMarcus, you with Fort Wayne FC and the USL, talk to us about the importance of you being an owner. Yeah. Um, when that, opportunity came across my plate uh, one thing being from Fort Wayne starting a team from Fort Wayne that was already a, a plus in my in my book what I was what I was thinking and I'll be honest you know I wasn't I wasn't thinking about ownership at that time um I mean maybe that's you know a bit small-minded on, on myself um uh, but you know I'm, I'm being honest I, I I didn't I didn't think about that uh I thought it's great that they're going to start a team I wasn't in those conversations when they when they first started the club and, uh, you know, but I, you know, I was going to be the biggest fan, you know, I was going to be the biggest fan, be an ambassador, be able to go to games when I could, if I was back in Fort Wayne. And then I kind of started, you know, thinking bigger, obviously one of my financial managers asked me and said, well, you ever thought about being one of the owners? And I'm like, Hmm, that kind of, maybe, you know, I, and, and, you know, then I started, I used to ask the questions because you don't know, I don't, I never knew what that meant. 
you know, what, you know, what kind of financial responsibility I would need to have or what I would, you know, all those things that, you know, when it says owner, it's like you got, you know, eight, eight trillion dollars, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, Which all those things came in. No, 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 shut up. <laughs> and <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, but any, and then, you know, fast forward, um, I think, I think it's, I think it's an important step, um, not only for me, but for, for black people in general, black and brown people. Because uh, and and I will when I'm when I am in and it is true what people say when I'm in meetings and uh, even my own show, I am the only minority. Mm. It is it is that isn't that is an honest statement. You know that's not that's not something that people just say and they say oh no they're just talking no that is an honest statement. So I am um, you know trying to you know I wouldn't say open doors for other people but just kind of showing that it, Damn, it can man. happen. Open doors. What's wrong yeah. with open doors? <laughs> yeah, open, yeah, open doors. But, you know, just showing, instead of saying it, you know, I'm more action. Just showing that it can happen. It can, you can be, if you want to be an owner of a football club, it can happen. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to just be, you know, your your hometown team, you know, but, you know, things like this, then I, I think that, I think it helps. But, you know, getting people to realize that there's so much, there's a lot of experience you know, uh, black and brown people in our soccer community that can do this job and can be mm -hmm. owners and be in the C-suites and be, you know, presidents of, of these clubs. There's very intelligent people in, in place that can that can do that job. It's just, you know, about the opportunity. But at least, you know, from my standpoint, you know, having that, you know, part owner as a as a as a title, uh, I hope it, it it brings people uh, a different mindset because like I said in the beginning I was, I was thinking I was small-minded I thought oh you know just be an ambassador hey maybe I could be a, a sporting director or something mm -hmm. um, you know uh, not that that, not that that is a small job but you know what I mean uh, I just think that it maybe it moves the needle a, a bit in that direction um, so and that's kind of you know how I, how I look at it at this it point. has been so many people I speak to um, are thinking in that way uh, because of the steps you take you've taken so you, you, you continue to inspire as well as Gooch, you know, as a, a black American, um, as a CEO in Belgium, you know, these are things that, you know, a lot of players, a lot of coaches didn't think they can do. Right. So I think it's phenomenal what you guys are doing. And, and it's a great point. It's why diversity matters, right? It's important that we highlight and we speak about it because there's so many folks who are out there who aren't seeing it. There's a young generation of players, there's a young generation of kids who aren't even playing the sport, but are going to see you guys as CEOs, as owners, and representation matters, because if you can see it for some kids, it can be it. Can um, and be that's it. not yeah. even just for like young black kids, that's for everyone to see. But Bree, so I'm going to ask you the same question, because you've kind of been in the sports culture forever when you're talking about your brand, footballer. So speak to the importance, because you and I talk about autonomy all the time with the Black Soccer Coaches Group, so just kind of speak to the importance of autonomy and representation and diversity. Yeah, I think it's huge. And that's how I, I live my life, right? Is, um, you know, is to, to if you're a mentor, if you're a coach, you're a trainer, right? You want to make sure that we can do things and show that uh, we can be on that level as well, but also to give ourselves a voice. So if you're dealing with fashion, if you're dealing with playing, if you're dealing with media, you know, I was frustrated. I'm, I'm a 1979 baby and growing up playing uh, uh, soccer in, in, in the ODP landscape, uh, we didn't have a lot of representation. I felt frustrated that we didn't have a lot of black coaches, didn't have a lot of black uh, executives in, in the state uh, boards, um, referees. So I wanted to change that when I became an adult and I felt that, um, you know, 
I want to speak on not just footballer and being the first uh, black soccer uh, lifestyle brand, but also, you know, uh, forming a company and starting helping Gooch start Onyx Elite. You know, these are things that weren't weren't around and we can trailblaze and be great at it, not just do it. Right. And um, so, you know, it's very difficult. It's a lot of, you know, it's very hard. And you have to stick to your guns and put your head down and work hard, just like we did for our careers. So I think for me, is if we can be successful on the field and use those same values off the field and you bring that into business, I think you know, nobody can stop you. Yeah, Mookie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think when we're talking about it, because there's this new generation right now where players have this voice now. Our first session that we did uh, with our takeover was with Kadani McAlpin, Kia McNeil, and Eric Bell, who are three black head coaches who all were coach of the year. Eric and Kia were uh, league champions of the year. And it was so important at convention. We were able to show all of these black coaches in one room at our open meeting. And to see the next generation of coaches who looked up and saw success, not, not just coaches, but successful coaches who are winning. I mean, Eric won back to back. So I keep, every time I see Eric, I just sing. I sing Drake to him this back to back. He keeps winning. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was so important for that next generation to see not just one, you know, coach of the year, or league champion, but multiple. And then to see all of the black coaches across the soccer landscape, it opened folks eyes up in a way that I think is really important. And I think this is the next space that's extremely important is to see owners and CEOs who are in color being in one room and showing that for the next generation. So I'm opening an invitation for you guys for the Philly convention. <laughs> we're gonna do, uh, we will have a meeting where we're showing uh, everyone who's in the ownership position. And just really quickly, cause you guys are, I know we talked about some of the business that you guys are involved in, but like Gucci of Onyx Elite, there's, there's multiple businesses that you're involved in. I think it is important for our next generation to kind of know what's going on and what's out there. So just speak to Onyx Elite and what that is and why you created that. Cause that's another place where you're an owner. Oh man, um, thank you. So Onyx, so I, I co-owned that with my my good friend from childhood, from like four or five years old, uh, Chris Gorez. We went to elementary school together, middle school together, and essentially, when I was still playing, I started thinking of like what's going to be after career, like a lot of players, some players do. Um, and I always tell players that are currently playing, you know, you don't need to know exactly what you want to do, but you need, you should know what you don't want to do. And I knew I didn't want to be a coach. Uh, that wasn't my, that wasn't in my, my head at all. I didn't, I didn't want to be an agent. I, I wanted some kind of ownership. I wanted some kind of administrative role and fitness has always been, you know, it's been my career. Uh, essentially we've, we've had to be fit for our whole careers to be able to, to have the longevity that we did. And, um, I wanted to create uh, some kind of uh, performance facility on the East Coast that I hadn't seen yet, uh, that I'd been privy to on the West Coast and other places in the world, uh, but I didn't think that people close to my hometown um, had access to. So me and Chris, and Chris was a, a personal trainer at the time, and I was like, you know, let's create this with both of our ideas and try and see if we can spawn something really creative and, and useful for the, for the East coast. Um, and that, that's, that's essentially how it started. And then we branched out with different programs and we started uh, operating uh, with, with Mookie's help. We started operating a, a combine type program where we were kind of uh, giving kids an opportunity for training and scouting and, and to get uh, seen and recruited by professional clubs. For me, it's all about providing access to things that people never had before. 
And I think that we're, we're achieving that. And we're just trying to use that momentum and, and, and grow and try and find and tap into different services uh, in the future. Wonderful. And then you guys are kind of connected to every kind of different organization across the soccer landscape. How do you think some of these organizations are doing when it comes to uh, bridging that racial gap within the coaching and leadership landscape? How do you think we're doing? <laughs> uh, I mean, is that really a question? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Look, man, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, there's progress, but that progress doesn't mean it's good enough. Right. Um, I will say that, you know, you probably see more people now than you did 20 years ago, but that doesn't mean that we're actually where we should be because there's a, there's a number of, uh, of black and brown, even ex players that haven't gotten opportunities that our counterparts have, have gotten or mm -hmm. been give, given, I'll even say, um, at this point. So I, I think that there's, there've been strides. I don't think we're there yet. Um, and that was actually one of the reasons, you know, I took this position that I'm in, you know, I'm bees and Mookie can contest to it. I was like, you know, should I do this? Should I? And they're like, yeah, how, what, what are you crazy? You know, and <laughs> I spoke to uh, Marisa do and, and, and Charlie Davies. And one of the, one of the things that stuck in my head is like, they said, you have to do this for us. Mm. And like, that meant more to me. I was like, damn. And he's like, how many of us have that kind of position anywhere? And I was like, okay, all right. No, but that kind of answers that question. You know what I mean? And <laughs> when you put it like that, you know, you don't really have much of a choice because like, as you were speaking earlier, it's, it's about people like myself, like Mauricio, like bees is, is setting an example. If you can see it, you can be it. And, and I, 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 I when you said that it really resonated with me because that um, is, is truly one of the, the main reasons I just hop skipped and jumped back over here. And when you think about it, it changes the norm. It changes the values and the beliefs pertaining to race and coaching because people grew up watching you guys play and they respect you and they value you. So you guys being in these spaces, it does so much more than I think even you know. And I think the audience that's listening in will be able to take from that and think about it a little bit differently. Because I think a lot of times people get so used to what they see every day that they're not used to seeing what maybe a more marginalized group are, is going through and things like that. So I think it's important that we provide spaces to not only highlight the work that's being done when you guys are in there doing this work, because we know it's difficult. We know how hard it is. So I just always want to commend and encourage those who are in that space doing this work. And we're running low on time, but I just really want to thank you guys for everything that you've done in the soccer landscape from players to business owners to staying accessible. And I just want to end on one question. And that question is going to be, what does the future look like and what should the future look like in the soccer landscape when it comes to diversity and representation? How are we making this game a better game for all? What do we want it to look like? Again, I think Gooch said that there are more opportunities, but it's not enough. And I believe, and as you can see, the soccer landscape is, is, is getting diverse, especially in the youth side. If you look at the men's national team and get a chance to see, you know, you can almost get 11 black players starting for the U.S. men's national team is huge. But I think for our generation, what we're trying to do is get to in the boards, the executives to kind of make the, the to push the buttons. I think we, if we get and be successful and keep on pushing to make a difference in the higher offices, then I think that we'll move in the right direction. We're having a very diverse and fair and um, across the board, um, get to where United States needs to be as a, a world power in football. So 
I'm, I'm very positive. I think that we still have a lot of work to do. And um, together, if we stay unified and work together, I think we'll definitely reach there. I think United States needs it. Uh, I think the diversity is what is missing from our success. And um, so I think it's not just for the Black players or the Black coaches, but it's for the U.S. soccer as a whole. Um, this is what our country is. You know, I, I agree with everything that Moop said. Not to just uh, piggyback on on his on his words, but for me as well, it's you know how are we getting more kids to access to play the game we all fell in love with, um, and kids that I mean that look like us. That for me is will be uh, successful. And to, and to do all those things that Moop just said, we need more black players, you know, playing soccer. But how? You know, we need to, you know, for one, uh, make the effort, time, and show these kids that we care, show them that, you know, uh, not only just if they want to play soccer, but, you know, give them access, give them opportunity that there, there is more than, than life than just sports. Um, and I think that if we can really affect and engage, you know, the, um, the, the Black community with soccer, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, like you said, you uh, touched on it. You look at our national team now and you know we can you know pretty much put out all you know all black starting 11 and that's good that's you know for that to keep continuing and continuing and giving uh, other kids opportunities to play it, start, it starts from you know the grassroots level you know we can you know bring soccer and and, and get people that are, that are really care about uh that area um and showing them the game and really taking the time to to show them that soccer is a is just a, another avenue. Um, I think it, it can only help uh, everything that Mook, you know, just said. Secretary General. <laughs> I don't even know how. I, how do you follow that? How do you how do you follow any of that? I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's it's about allowing and, and advocating for equal access for everybody, um, and that's just where that's what it comes down to. Where the you know it starts with the kids and it goes to the you know the players to the coaching staff to the to the front office, it's, it's all around, it's all around. It's, it's, it's a, it's a circle. So I think once we can start with the grassroots and I think that players and people like myself and DeMarcus um, are able to, you know, basically prove to the public that our, our worth outside of what we've done on the field and, and show good product. And, and I think it's going to open a lot of eyes and it's open, going to open a lot of doors at the end of the day um, for the people that come after us. So I hope to, at the end of the day, everything I do, I, I just try to be, a, I hope to be a trendsetter. I hope to kind of open doors. Bees was hesitant to say that, but shit, you know, I, I want to, <laughs> shoot, I want to, I want to open doors. I want, I, want, I, want, I, want, <laughs> I want, I want all the doors to be open, you know, and, and the, the reason we're having this conversation is because they're not. Yeah. Um, so, you know, open all the doors you can open the windows if you need to. So, you know, that's where I stand. Nicole, I, I just want to say that, you know, I think that the, the crack in our friendship and brotherhood that extends, and that's a huge network. I think one thing is important is that um, we all try to support each other and work together. Yes. And I think that that needs to happen uh, with all these coaches and trainers. Um, yep. When I get frustrated that everybody has their own training company, their own club and stuff like that. Mm. And I think some people have to start to work together to develop a better product and to make a, bit, a bigger force. So um, I hope some of these coaches are listening that you kind of look to the people in your area and try to find a way to build together rather than build apart, you know? So, and uh, make sure you go check out the crack 
on all your uh, social platforms. You got, I guarantee, I guarantee she's going to cut that part out. Dean already cut it out. He's like, yeah, 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 cut it out real quick. But it, it, that's, I, I'm glad you just said that because it's something that across the Black soccer coaches community from fan supporters all the way up to the top level over the past couple of years, we've really been able to get people in solidarity to work together. That's what it's going to need to look like for us to move forward is that we have to be unified. We have to support each other. We have to can encourage each other. And you guys are a perfect example of that. Every program that you guys started with, you have your best friend doing this. You get, you know, your brothers from 20, 15 years ago. So seeing that solidarity, that support, that unity, what that should look like, that labor of love that we have for each other and for the soccer community um, is going to take us so far. So again, I want to thank you guys for being on our United Soccer Coaches, Black Soccer Coaches Takeover. Dean, <laughs> thank you for letting us take over. Dean, thank you, United Soccer Coaches, Jeff Van Dusen, someone else who's been super supportive to our group. We thank you guys for lifting up the Black Soccer Coaches group, for helping us to move forward. We have a lot of work to do, but together we can do it. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. All. Thank you. This is Dean Linky, and truly all the thanks goes to Nicole Hercules and her incredible guests. And I know Jeff Van Dusen, the new CEO, will also agree as he supported this dedication to Black History Month and letting the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group run with it and run with it proudly. And let me just say, Demarcus Beasley and Gooch and Mauricio Wilson, I'll never cut out promotion. I left that in there, my man, and I always will. What you guys are doing on the Crack Podcast is incredible, so everybody should check that out. We're not done here. When we return, Anna Witte, who was on Podcast Row during the United Soccer Coaches Convention, caught up with Kristen Hamilton, a star forward now with KC Current. KC Current, moving and shaking, new stadium, new practice facilities, new everything. And Kristen Hamilton joins Anna Witte when we return. United Soccer Coaches would like to thank all 2022 convention attendees, exhibitors, presenters, and volunteers for reuniting in Kansas City. You can relive all of the special moments from the awards banquet and All-America Ceremony reception by watching the recordings now available on unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Remember to save the date for the 2023 convention in Philadelphia, January 11th through 15, 2023. Welcome back into the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I'm Anna Witte on Podcast Row in Kansas City, the home of Kristen Hamilton, a forward on the KC Current. Kristen, thanks so much for chatting with us today. You've been in Kansas City for a little over six, seven months now, give or take. What do you think about soccer in Kansas City and everything about your new home? Yeah, there's a lot. It's very different than what I've been used to the past five or so years. It's nice I'm closer to my actual home, Denver. It's cool. It's cool to get to explore a new city. There's great food, great barbecue. Places to eat, things to do. Haven't gotten bored with the city yet, so that's great. I feel like there's always stuff stuff to do. Soccer's great, obviously, growing organization. But I've met some awesome people. You know, girls on the team have been great. I'm really enjoying it. Good, good. Yeah. Before we get into Casey Current and all the positive mm-hmm. things that are happening with your team, I gotta ask, I'm from Cary originally. What oh. barbecue do you prefer? North Carolina <laughs> or Kansas City? You know, Kansas City. Really? Yeah. I haven't Okay. Why? I, 
I guess I should just say I haven't had, I never had that much barbecue in North Carolina. Uh, so, Kristen, you missed a great opportunity. You wanted me to say Cary for I you mean, or what? North I Carolina? understand. Yeah. I kind of, because it's more <laughs> vinegar based it. there. Honestly, okay. I didn't eat it much. Okay. So when I say I like it better, it's just because it's the only, it's what I had. Okay. <laughs> That's totally That's fair. fair. Gotta be honest. <laughs> so on top of AC Current, you guys have a new head coach. You have a new GM. With Cammy stepping into this new role, how is it going to benefit your team? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously Cammy, her background in the NWSL is is huge. And like you said, just, just to have somebody in that position in the first place, let alone somebody who's knows the league, has been in the league, has played here, was a player who understands players' needs. I think that's going to be huge for us, just in general of on a basic level of connecting with somebody. So I think for us, having somebody in that role who might actually be more of an advocate for the players sometimes as well, which is, is really helpful. How much of a relationship do you guys have with her? We kind of just got introduced, honestly. She, okay. she stepped into the role pretty recently. So I know some girls, I know Lo has played college with her so right you know obviously some people have more of a relationship with her than not me specifically I just I've, I've had a few zoom calls with her um, but from what I've seen she seems great she seems eager to get started and hopefully contribute to the organization well, it's unique too that she's had playing experience like you said with Labonta and, and knows exactly from the players perspective what you guys are doing and what yeah. you're trying to accomplish and she can in a leadership role really help you guys take that next step forward right. coach Potter has youth national team experience he's got college coaching experience how do you think his impact on the collegiate level, knowing some of you coaching against you, is going to help him coach you this season with, with the current? Yeah, I think it's important for a coach to understand who he's, who he's working with. I think that's part of the growing and learning curve of a new head coach and any team is understanding its players and how do you put those pieces together to form the best team I can possible. And for Matt, he's like you said, he's had experience with players on our team, mm-hmm. players on the league um so i think him having that knowledge is only beneficial to him and for us to for him to have already that base almost formed to say okay i i know my players i know kind of how it works in a system probably in mind of how he kind of wants to play based off of the players already so i think it just gives us that little bit of step up and him a little bit of an edge coming into the season what is the identity of the kc current yeah i mean we are probably going into the season a little bit not knowing what that identity fully is. And I think that that's kind of the exciting part for Matt coming in is what is going to be our identity leading into the season? Because that's something that rather results are coming or going your way that you can lean on and you can, you always have on your back pocket. And I don't feel like this team necessarily had that mm-hmm. big, strong sense of identity last year. So I think heading into this season, it's, again, I go back to that eagerness and willingness to, to find that. I think everybody's mm-hmm. Everybody wants that and everybody is like hungry for finding that and gelling and meshing together and becoming the best team that we can because on paper we are a phenomenal team. Mm -hmm. You look at us and you say this team can win championships and for us and for Matt again I think it's going to be him getting us to buy into an identity and I think that that's the kind of leadership that we need as a group going into the season. You're still a younger player in this league and you just talked about not having an identity last season. How is that going to help you? How has that benefited you as a player as you look forward having that experience of trying to figure things out last season? Again, we go towards the end of the season. We started to get a little bit of rhythm, started to gel, but it was tough. I think for everybody, it was a challenging season, mentally, physically. And so having that experience, I think that it just continues to give you drive and 
a little bit of adversity doesn't hurt, I don't think. I think it actually helps so much to have that. And for me as a leader, trying to get everybody to continue to push through season that we knew was long gone. You know, playoffs were well out of reach and it's really difficult to get to people and the team and myself included to continue to want to play and fight and go out there and put all of your effort and energy into winning games when, you know, the season's kind of lost. Um, so I think for us, it was actually a really good growth opportunity for all of us to say, hey, it's like a gut check. Like, right. what do you have in you to go out there and like what drives you? Because obviously playoffs isn't going to continue to get us to push ourselves. So what is it that is going to push you? What's going to push you to, to what are you playing for now? You know, so it kind of gave us all, like I said, I go back to that, like a little bit of gut check to say, hey, what is it that you're playing for now? Because it's not playoffs. It's not, not whatever. What is it? Pride? Is it whatever that may be? And it gave us all kind of that sense of, well, we're not playing for <laughs> championships now. So what is it? So I think that that is humbling. Now you guys are playing on a bigger field. You're sharing the same stadium as Sporting KC. How is that going to help your team this season? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was I was asked this question earlier, and I just like, when Chris and Angie came and told us that we'd be playing at Children's Mercy next year, that was the best announcement they could have given us. They showed us the training facility. They showed us the stadium. But that one got the most cheers out of everybody. Just the quality of pitch itself is just going to be huge for us. And then the professionalism of the whole environment, stadium, um, and then, again, size of field is, is just going to be give us that extra level of professionalism that we deserve. You're a forward on the team, so a lot of the times they were trying to find your feet up top. You had a finite space <laughs> to work with, especially you're good at running onto the balls, people playing over the top. How has your experience playing on that small field helped you as a player now that you're going to have more space to work with this season? Yeah, it's very different. You definitely have to think about those things. You have to think about where is the space, and the space was not behind because honestly that field didn't have much space anywhere. But <laughs> There wasn't much space anywhere to work with, no. but yeah, I mean, it does. It just makes you think a little bit more, makes you, you know, for me, just helps you learn the game a little bit better, it makes you have to adapt. And just for me, just having that experience now, it's just something that's kind of in my back pocket that, yeah, I've done that before. Now we know if there's not much space here, you can kind of find it here. Um, a little, all of those little nuances throughout the game. As you see Kansas City soccer grow, how big is it or how crucial was it to have a women's uh, specific soccer stadium in the town you're playing in? Oh, my God. I think it's I mean, it's incredible, obviously. We've all been places where it's just, this is a men's stadium and you guys get to play in it. Like, I almost feel like we have to always be grateful to be given what we're given, where I feel like here they're pushing the standard and saying, no, like you deserve your own stadium. Like this league and this team and you players are worth it. You guys are professionals just as much as the Chiefs players are, just as much as sporting players are, just as much as any of the other MLB players are. Like, you guys deserve your own stadium. So for that, I think it just is, it's so nice and refreshing to just, like, have that backing from your owners to say, hey, you guys deserve this. And obviously Kansas City being a huge sporting town, it's mm -hmm. it's so exciting to see the potential for, for this team and um, obviously the city itself, too. Even its location. I mean, yeah. you're <laughs> going to be the only stadium downtown is mm -hmm. huge as well. The one thing, though, it's... You know, you only spend so much time in the stadium. You only play the games. Yeah. The training facility is where you're going to spend your time. Right. How is that going to impact this program? Yeah, a training facility to go to every single day where you feel, one, you feel comfortable in constantly. Like, that's where you spend, like you said, a lot of your time. You want to feel comfortable there. You want to be able to do everything you need to do to prepare for training. You don't want to 
feel like you have to rush out of there because you don't want to be in it. You can go early and roll out and stretch and do all your prehab stuff and a place you want to stay late and do recovery and do all of these things. I keep talking about the professionalism of clubs and this just adds another layer of that. And it's, again, it should be a standard across the league for, for teams to have facilities like this. But um, yeah, it's just going to heighten us, continue to push us to be, and give us incentive to be one of the best teams. We have no excuse not to be with the facilities and with the stadiums and everything we're given now. So with the talent you have as and the well, talent, you, yeah. <laughs> you definitely have a stacked roster. You added to that roster mm -hmm. this season with Sam Lewis and Lynn Williams, who you played with in North Carolina. <laughs> so you're going to be playing with them again. How is this going to change the dynamic of the attacking third this season? Oh, I'm so excited. I bet. <laughs> Lynn is like, Lynn and Sam I've played with since 2015. So we've played on the same team forever. Um, so we're all really close. And then Lynn is literally one of my best friends. And we've been through a lot together in North Carolina. And, you know, when Jess McDonald was kind of out for a little while, her and I got a lot of playing time together. And we were really successful. And we were scoring a lot of goals. And we were having a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. Sam was a huge part of that as well. You know, her distribution is unbelievable. So for us to kind of get back together, who you said we have a relationship. We understand each other on the field um and then obviously with sam included in that too and some of the players now that i've played with for almost half a season too i think that it's just going to add to the dynamic and yeah i think we're going to be scoring a lot of goals kristen thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing with us your experience what you're looking forward to with this kc current team and all the amazing things that this team is doing and the direction that soccer is headed in kansas city Best of luck this season. Thank you. Appreciate it. When we return, we meet another member of our esteemed United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class. Stay with us. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, now brought to you by League Apps, my favorite part of the show, a visit with a 30 under 30 member, and I was able to sit down with this fine member at the United Soccer Coaches convention talking about Bree Havro-Kellogg. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you, Dean. So excited to be here. I just love the energy that's going on. Yeah, as a member of a 30 under 30 class, you're here, you're interacting with the other 30 under 30 members, you're doing everything. Yeah, it's like you got a little bit of FOMO. You're like, man, I'm missing out on some other really cool things. I'm going to have to go back and watch some recordings of some presentations. So, yes, it's, just, it's been great to be here. Let's get to know you. Tell me uh, where you grew up. And I want to get to your story, particularly about your mom starting the club and then you're playing in college with seven players. You got some good stuff here. Tell your story a little bit. Yeah, so I grew up in Carroll, Iowa. Not a whole lot of soccer opportunities there. 10,000 people in Iowa. But in Iowa, you call that a city. 
So, <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot of soccer opportunities. Had the rec program, so I took advantage of that. And then in middle school, high school, my mom noticed, hey, she, she's pretty good at this. You know, she could do some more. And my mom has no idea anything about soccer, but she's like, get your friends together. We'll start a team. And she was kind of like a team manager, getting everyone together. So, yeah, got some kids playing in the Iowa Games tournament. And then I uh, went on after high school and I played for AIB College of Business. Their inaugural season was in 2012, and I graduated high school in 2011, so I had a year to prep for college soccer. But 2012, AIB, that was an experience. That was a journey. It was our first year under Coach Brandon Ermels, and we didn't have as many players as we had anticipated, and then some players left at the beginning of the season. So we played most of our games with seven or eight players on the field against 11, and there was so much adversity, and we went through so much together. It ended up being amazing. Our second year, we came back and had a 50-50 season, and then the third year, I graduated, so I was just in the stands this time. They went on to nationals. So you were part of something huge growing there, and then your mom was also part of something huge. I gotta go back to your mom. What was the name of the club that she formed? Well, we played under different names each year. We didn't really know what we were doing. So Carroll United, then we were the Ninjas, just a bunch of kids playing soccer. <laughs> now, Bree, did you play other sports growing up? I did. I played basketball. I was I was a pretty good little basketball player. I bet. Uh, playing point guard. I, I played that through JV, and then JV, I was like, you know, I just, I feel like this is work. I'm not in it. Like, I feel like I'm dreading going to practice, going to weights. But every time there was a soccer opportunity, I was like, I'm the first one there. That's you your know, love. That's, yeah, that's my passion. Okay. All right, so when did the coaching bug hit as you walked us through your playing career and then being at that incredible NEIA school, right? What a story, incredible seven players, tennis players on there. That's amazing. But now you're done. So what did you get your degree in and when did you say, I want to be a coach? Yeah, actually, the, the coaching bug hit me early. I was in high school. As soon as I could drive, I signed up at the, the local parks and rec and said, hey, you got any teams that you need to coach? Because I didn't have anyone to look up to. I didn't have anyone who knew how to play soccer. So as soon as I turned 16, I took on, I think it was like a 5U girls team and loved it ever since then. And any opportunity that came my way throughout college, um, did some stuff with the Menace and a couple other small clubs in Iowa. So Getting to know another fantastic member of the 30 under 30 class. You clearly get things done quickly. You started coaching at 16. You got done with your college career right away. And now tell us what you're doing right now. I'm between full-time jobs right now. I just spent about nine years with a club called Vision Soccer Academy in Waukee, Iowa. And I was the director of member services and director of the recreational program there. So I did that for about nine years. And then actually this past fall, I took a mental health leave of absence and things have kind of really shifted again in my life. It was a big pivot moment. So I'm, I'm between full-time jobs right now, picking up some coaching sessions here and there at Sporting Iowa, trying to get in some full-time stuff there. But really I've been enjoying being a substitute teacher in these last couple of months and just helping out where I can in the schools. Mental health awareness has been a key issue. You just brought it up. It's brave to bring it up, Bree. I applaud you for that. Would you like to talk about what you went through? Yeah, um, actually, I won't get into the nitty gritty details, but if you wanna hear the nitty gritty details, I'll do a little shameless plug. Fearless and Capable with Candace Fabry 
I went on at the beginning of January this year and shared my story in detail. So Fearless and Capable, check out my last 2%. Details of what I went through, but I've learned a lot from my experience. So when did you get the first taste of United Soccer Coaches and when did you learn about the 30 Under 30 program? 30 Under 30 is something that my mentor, Ginger Parson McGill at VSA, she pushed me to apply for a lot. We went to the convention in Baltimore. I had applied then, didn't get it. Last year, COVID craziness happened, so I didn't apply. 2021, I sat down and I said, here's my dream big goal. I have, you know, one more year to get 30 under 30. This is what I want to do. I was like, dream big, I'm going to get 30 under 30. I don't know, I just kind of like manifested it throughout the rest of the year and really rallied behind my story and tried to figure out how to get here. Dream big, fascinating, every single layer. You know, I like to ask about the future it's that crystal ball question. Have you thought about where you want to be in 10 years, Bree? You know, I'm really happy in the grassroots area. That's where my, my heart lies. And I don't really know what 10 years brings, but my husband and I were trying to become licensed foster parents. So hoping to start a family and, and have that going. I'm sure I'll stay connected to the soccer community in some way, but yeah, right now I'm just living day by day and I'm just loving it. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Last thing here, memories and mentor. Are there one or two people that have made a big difference? And is there one memory as a soccer player, as a soccer coach that shines above everything? Maybe it's this week, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so Ginger Parson McGill with VSA, she's the youth development director there. She's uh, definitely recognized something in me right out of college 2014 and she was like, you can coach, can't you? So yeah, she kind of built me up into the coach that I am. And one of the biggest things that is always going to stick out to me is just the journey in general with AIB and going from seven or eight players on the field, getting whomped on 18 yeah. zero, you know, and then ultimately I made a career for myself in goal because the starting goalkeeper, one of the first games stepped out of the box and picked up the ball, got a red card and coach was like, all right, well, who plays basketball? And I was like, hey, I played basketball growing up. And he's like, all right, you're in goal. And I was like, what? I went on, I made defensive player of the week and just got some amazing awards and became a goalkeeper. How about just that? Taking okay. on whatever's in front of me. Free, fantastic. Thanks so much. Congratulations on being a member of the 30 under 30 class. Thank you. I want to thank Bree as well as Nicole Hercules and her incredible guests as United Soccer Coaches in conjunction with Nicole Hercules and the Black Soccer Coaches Advocacy Group collectively salute Black History Month right here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I want to thank Anna Witte for her great guest on Podcast Row as well as Brandon Milburn, Bailey Conklin, and Erica Dyer from United Soccer Coaches, my producer Colin Thrash for each and every one of them. And all of you, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.